1: Get set for another hour of the latest financial information and economic news affecting your bottom line. Jr. and Anthony are committed to helping more Americans like you optimize their income, reduce their tax risk, and reach financial freedom. So let's start the show. Here are your hosts, Anthony Correo and Jr. Rochford.
2: Here we are, your hosts, Anthony Correo, Jr. Rochford, taking a break from our day-to-day as financial advisors with Rochford and Associates, a fully independent fourth generation family practice right here in Arizona. Uh we put this show together to bring you financial news you may not be hearing on those other financial shows. We are aware that the last thing you need is another money show. Well we appreciate you being here. Uh today we've got a very special guest, Doug, the guy who does um our producing, all our videos. So we're going to bring him in a little bit. But starting off, we got some news, st- news topics, news stories. So where are we starting with, Jar?
3: We're starting with the new microphone tent. If you're watching us on YouTube, notice the fancy little tent we have. So thank you so much, the one and only Sam Davis, for hooking us up. So we are now official. Today was going to be our last episode. But now that we have the microphone tent, so I think we're going to stay for another year, another year and a half. We'll, we'll kind of play it by year. So... Today, we have a busy day. As Anthony said, we have a special guest with us. We're going to try to bring in guests once in a while because we realize as much as we love to hear ourselves talk, you may want to hear other people join us here and there. So we're going to try to do that. Today will be our first go at it. So hopefully it goes well. Anyway, you know our thing. We want you prepared, not scared. We want you proactive, not reactive. Every week, I say a lot of the same stuff. You know, there's a reason that I say what I say. I listen to a lot of radio shows every weekend. You know, throughout the week I read, I look at videos, I listen to shows. The stuff Anthony says is spot on. You're you're getting stuff from us that you're not getting at the other shows. You know, the big thing I heard yesterday, a lot of the financial shows, they decided to talk about the weather. So I, I I'm not I mean, yeah, it's hot. We're in Arizona. We're in Phoenix, Arizona. Last night, I'm going to talk about the weather now because I want to join them. I want to be a sheep today. So last night we set a record in Maricopa County as the highest low on record. So it's hot. Oh, there is something funny, by the way. Two days ago, as I'm sitting here, this was this was on Monday, July 17th. I open up my mail and I get a letter from APS. And it says that there's another rate increase being discussed. It is supposed to be filed on October 28th, or I'm sorry, it was filed on October 28th, 2022. It is supposed to take effect in December of 2023. They're going to raise our rates again. And as I looked at the lower screen on my computer, it said it was 113 degrees out. So we always talk about inflation. We talk about how things are tough. You know, they're doing that 3% cost of living adjustment next year for Social Security because inflation is in check. Yet everywhere I turn, other than gas, which has come down a bit, Everywhere I turn, things are still really expensive. And here comes APS. It's it's just, I don't know, it's just funny. The timing is funny. I think right now, when we're having a record-breaking summer, and all the financial shows are talking about the temperatures, I back off for a while. Let people get through a little bit of this before you raise the rates. But yet, here we are. So, a couple things before we get to our special guest. Janet Yellen. You know, I know I brought it up last week that she was in China, and some of the optics were, to me, funny, watching her bow. Well, we have since learned, we've read a few articles about Janet Yellen. Apparently, she was high, which makes a lot of sense when you when you look at everything we see. She's the Treasury Secretary. So for her to be high, it, all of a sudden, everything makes sense. So apparently, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen dined on magic mushrooms in China. You, some of the, allegedly, this is an article I'm reading, by the way, so this is from Radar Online from Sunday. So Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen's recent trip to Beijing, China, has taken an unexpected turn. Reports suggest she may have experienced the psychedelic effects of wild mushrooms consumed during a visit to a local restaurant in Chinese capital, blah 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 blah. She had four helpings of this of this soup with mushrooms in it. <laughs> they sit here you thought you were walking straight but you just fell sideways i can't believe what i'm reading they talked about how these these mushrooms have very potent powers so getting to the end of the article as the investigation continues officials and experts alike experts are waiting for an official statement from yellen's office regarding the incident all right let me get serious for one second she's the secretary of the treasury the treasury secretary. So are they going to fire her? Did she accidentally have a serving of magic mushrooms? Did she accidentally have four?
2: Maybe that was her at the White House.
3: (laughs) Maybe. I don't Was she in the White House? So did she know that she could possibly be altered while in a foreign country representing this country? Did China drug our treasury secretary? When I talk about everything going on in the White House, it's funny because some of it, we make a little bit light of it because there's so many serious things. So some of this news just has to be made fun of. But it, it is kind of serious. So did China actually get our treasury secretary? I, I you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll let the story go kind of quickly because you can read about it yourself. I just find it fascinating that everything in the news is just, it comes and goes so quickly and we don't spend time on it. But let me let me switch gears for a second. I just wanted a good laugh. So that's where I started there. Let me switch to another article. Anthony, I sent this to you yesterday. Bank of America. You know my favorite subject. Here we go on the banks. I'm never going to let the banks go. What's that song? Never going to let you go. Never going to give I'm you. Athlete. Rick Algo. Good for you, Anthony. I forget how musical you are. So anyway, karaoke with J.R. and Anthony every Saturday at noon on 960 The Patriot. So let me, this, this one is not quite as funny to me. I, I want to take a minute on this article because th- this is what our show is about. This is what we need to convey to people. In order to help them be awake. B of A and others share records with FBI without a warrant. All the time, Director Ray admits. This is from Monday, July 17th. By the way, as we record, today is Wednesday, July 19th, just in case we give you any interest rates or that sort of thing. So among the doublespeak and other bombshells disclosed by the FBI director, Christopher Ray, during testimony to the White House Judiciary Committee oversight hearing, one particularly disturbing detail he released was that the FBI regularly obtains innocent Americans' personal data from companies with the intent of potentially charging them with crimes, the Federalist reported last week. Ray told Congress that B of A provided them with a huge, what is huge, that's open, For interpretation, list of financial records of Americans who used B of A cards around the Capitol on July sixth. That's right, no warrants, no court hearings, just blindly turning over records when the FBI asks. Of course, as soon as somebody hears July or sorry, January sixth, they're going to say, "Well, it's political." This is one hundred percent financial. Everything political and financial that we bring up on the show are tied together. So. Settle down. Republican Representative Thomas Massey asked Ray at the hearing, George Hill, former FBI Supervisory Intelligence Analyst in the Boston field office, told us that Bank of America, with no legal process, that's where I have a little heartburn with this, gave to the FBI gun purchase records with no geographical boundaries for anyone that was a Bank of America customer. Is that true? To which Ray replied, a number of businesses, I'm sorry, business community partners all the time, including financial institutions, share information with us about possible, let me underscore that word, possible criminal activity. This is, what was the Tom Cruise movie? Not Mission Impossible. Report. Correct. And my understanding is that it's fully lawful. How on earth is this fully lawful?
2: They asked nicely.
3: Is that, is that what it is? Uh, yeah, I mean,
2: the FBI asked nicely for all your information and Bank of America handed it over. That's what I got from this article.
3: Well, let me go a hair further, and I, and I know you hate when I read to people, but I, if we talk about nothing else for the rest of our career on this show, which is going to be quite lengthy due to our new microphone tense, so those who had ever purchased a firearm with Bank of America card were highlighted at the top of the list, the report says. Ray said the data was shared with field offices for information only. Why do you need this information and what are you going to do with it? So Massey questioned Ray, was there a warrant involved? To which Ray replied, again, my understanding is that the institution in question shared information with us, this happens all the time. When Massey revealed that an email showed the FBI did give search queries to Bank of America, he asked Ray, do you believe there's any limitation on your ability to obtain gun purchase data or purchase information for people who are not suspects from banks without a warrant? Ray declined to answer in full, saying, what I tell you is that my understanding is that the process by which we receive information from business community partners across a wide variety of industries, including financial institutions, sharing information with us about possible criminal activity is something that is fully lawful under current federal law. You just got pretty much the entire article, and I have not had the nerve to look up more articles on this yet because I am angry about this one. This one I'm angry about. We, we were in a country that had protections. We are different than North Korea or China or some other countries. Anthony, am I on the right track with this, or is this the most disturbing we have brought to people yet? And we talk about bail-ins. We talk about Executive Order 14067. We talk about CEI, ESG. We talk about all these things. And this is the single most disturbing thing I have seen since we've been on the radio.
2: What do you think? How is this any different than the Patriot Act? It's, I it's mean, this, the, the, NASA, the, the NSA, I mean, this is this is common knowledge. I mean, this is just one more iteration of everything you do and is tracked and followed.
3: And to people I mean, care?
2: One of those, like, I, of course I want to be upset. I'm not stoked about any of this, but it's like, you know, this has been going on for a long time, and and we've known it's been going on. But what do you think will happen when we've got the digital currency? They're going to be easily be able to track everything because everything will go through the Fed. Actually they're not even gonna wait for the digital currency. Once Fed now is implemented, which supposedly is in the next week or two, they said end of July, but every transaction will be run through the Fed, regardless of where you bank. It'll go from Bank of America to the Fed to Chase Bank to you know Desert Hills, Desert Schools, whatever those are. You know, once this is fully incorporated, I think there's fifty plus companies now our institutions, banking institutions um, that are certified with FedNow, Um, but this is coming. So this isn't, I
3: don't know. know, I I want to be upset, but it's. I want you to be upset. I I want everybody that hears this to be upset and share with somebody else. Cause I'll tell you what, let let me take you back about a year ago, Anthony, when you and I were talking about FedNow and the the approaching FedNow, excuse me, we, we, I brought up social credit scores and how they could use it. And you thought that was kind of far-fetched. You were still, it was new to us as a topic, and you didn't think that was an issue. Now, a year later, you you just said it. I mean, you, we see the direction. This 100% ties in with social credit scores. And FedNow has not even launched. Central Bank Digital Currency or Unicoin or the BRICS gold goldback currency, whatever we're going to experience in the next years to come, that's not even here yet. I don't, I don't know. I, and I know I, we only have so much time each week. So I don't want to harp on this too long. I just hope people stop for a second and think about what this means. You know, no geographical boundaries. I wasn't at the Capitol last, whenever it was. I wasn't there. I was in Arizona. I have an alibi. And I have a question. So they can look at the bank records and see what I purchased. Well, of course. But it, it, it's being, we're, we're, it's right in front of our face. So I don't know. I just hope people. One already here now. And- Remember
2: the the people oh. whose accounts got uh, shut down for funding the truckers in Canada, yes. and the government stepped in and just we're shutting down your accounts. Good luck. So, I mean, yeah. again, we're we're scared about the digital currency, which in the you know this this platform in which it can come because it should make those things easier for the government, but the government already oversteps its bounds now. Like we're we're already living in that dystopia that we're warning people is coming. Like it it's here.
3: Yep, you're right. Well, and we invited in. We have a cell phone everywhere we go, including on the on the toilet. Sorry to be crude. I've got a friend who his house I go to, and they've got Alexa, and it's just so funny. You know, the first thing I do every time I walk in the door, I'm like, Alexa, how to overthrow the government? And it never gets old to me. I've been doing this for a long time. It's it's not as funny to him. But he's like, well, yeah, you know, I mean, this thing's on all the time so they can hear us. Anyway, let's move on to one more thing. Let's hit one more thing for the articles. And then let's talk in general about the financial markets. And then let's gear up for our guest. So another article that I wanted to kind of touch on, more Americans rejected for loans just as they may be feeling tapped out, Fed survey shows. So the rejection rate for people applying for credit jumped to 21.8% in June, up from 17.3% in February, the highest level in five years. So as the inflation, you know, unlike what the government says that it's waning, as the inflation is not going anywhere, basically people that need help, they need to, you know, increase their credit card limit, whatever, they're being told more often, no. So that's kind of bad timing. I mean, it's it's a little scary. You know, When you look at auto loans, when you look at how long they are and how much they are, when you look at subprime auto loans, that is problematic. But you know what it is? You know what it's good for? The car companies. If I am a high-risk buyer and I get this whatever 20% note on a vehicle, good. Pay for it for a year, pay for it for two years, default, have them repo it, and they can sell it again. So they they should want to give out all kinds of credit. But you know what? They are smart and they are nervous, and they know that another 2008 could be coming. So, there are a couple more things about this article. What types of loans are seeing the most rejections? Number one, you guessed it, auto loans. Rose from 14.2%, up from 9.1% in February. Uh, rejection rates for credit cards, credit card limit increase requests, mortgage and mortgage refinance applications, rose 21 30.7, 13.2, and 20.8% respectively. So basically it's across the board. So it looks like everything across the board is getting harder to get credit. And you know what? If you go out and you go out to eat or go to the movies and see Sound of Freedom or whatever you do, if you go out, everything is busy. It looks like we have zero problems with our economy everywhere around me. So, and I and I notice all this stuff because I'm like, well, you know, I know That we meet people, and there's a lot of credit card debt out there. So we know that that's happening. What happens when people max out their credit cards? Then do we see the emperor has no clothes? I mean, and and, and, again,
2: if they can't get um, increases, which I do find hilarious that the bank's canceling all these increases because isn't that the whole debt ceiling conversation with the U.S. government? Cannot say this enough. If you run... Your finances, as poorly as our government ran their finances, you're the black sheep of your family. Nobody wants to talk to you. You know, it's embarrassing. You should be embarrassed, but our government does it, and it's fine.
3: Yeah, other people's money. It's always easier to manipulate to deal with other people's money. But you're right. I mean, no, it's it's really, you know, we're up over a trillion dollars in the last month on the debt. You know,
2: think been or not the government the stock market's kind of been skyrocketing this last week we're over 35 again it's, yeah it's serious
3: yeah and uh, my question we're we're back in a full-on melt-up mode why is it just purely manipulation is it the fact that the dow jones industrial average is only 30 companies is it what i talked about last week every friday there's an influx of money into this these markets you know, I get paid every other Friday or bi-weekly or bi-monthly or bi-bi-bi-bi-bi, and and it goes into the target date fund. So there's an income stream for the Dow every single week. Is that what's propping it up? You know, uh, smart people. What is it? Something like ninety percent of all stocks and bonds are owned by ten percent of the country. So there's a lot of people that know what they're doing. It's it's the big, huge bottom layer of people. You know, and and they're they're still getting in a couple of things. One. What, what is it? Is it FOMO? Is it the fear of missing out? Like it's going up, I have to buy it? You know, my grandfather who started this practice, my father who was in the practice in Illinois and then came to Arizona, you know, they, they were in it before there were high frequency trading computers. They were in it when it was, you know, simple rules. You should spend a little bit less than you save. You should buy low, sell high. It's like they, they had simple rules and things made sense, but they were buying stock at Kmart. Penney, Montgomery Ward, stuff like that. I mean, when you look at things now, it's a rigged game. What, how does this melt up end? I still am going to say, I don't think good. Everything cycles in life. We know that. I mean, today, if you're having a great day, don't get too cocky because tomorrow's going to suck. If today sucks, I'm sorry for you, but hang in there. Tomorrow's going to be better. That's what happens. The markets are up. You know, my passion, financial advisors, when things are are down, they tell you it's only paper loss. You know, don't panic. You, you've only lost money if you sell it. Well, right now, it's only a paper gain. The Dow is over 35,000 again. What, is your advisor calling you saying, let's lock in some of those gains, use it to pay down debt, buy hard assets, go to insurance companies, find a better way to maximize your money? You know, I mean, you, when the market does tank, the advisors are going to be coming out telling you to buy the dips again. They should tell you today, today is July 19th, your advisor should call you and say, sell the peaks. You know, you you hear of dollar cost averaging into financial markets. I'm going to put 50 bucks a month into my Roth IRA. You're buying low, you're buying high, but you're always buying and it averages out good for you. Yeah, because you're saving more than you spend. You know what? When are they going to talk about dollar cost averaging out? When, when is your advisor going to call you? Don't run for the hills. Don't panic. Don't pull your money out of the stock market. But why don't we start taking some profits? Like we're at Vegas on a blackjack table and we brought a thousand bucks and we've got 1200 now. Put that 200 bucks in your pocket you know, start trying to play in a house's money. <laughs> Sorry, a little bit of passion today. I think I'm ramped up. I'm trying to impress Doug. He's in the green room. He's in the waiting room, waiting, anticipating being on another money show on 960 the Patriot. So I'm on my to so we,
2: we mentioned that he does our YouTube videos, but we should probably mention why he's actually here and what we're going to talk about. Um, you know, we brought up the the writer strike, and it looks like the actors have joined in in Hollywood, and it's, You know, you ask yourself, well, why does this matter to me? But I think there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. I think this is going to set a precedent um, for other industries across the country, not just acting. Um, But we're going to get some of the inside scoop from him about that. He's been around that industry for a very, very long time. So I'm excited. See how that goes. Plus, it's somebody to listen to that's not JR. So I'm happy about that.
3: that. That was a little bit hurtful. You realize that, right? Nah, Not, we'll get no, up, right? I'm having a bad day, but <laughs> I'm going to hang in here because tomorrow will be better. So you no, know, see? one more thing to lead us into break time and good tease job, by the way, people need to stick around for Doug. So one more thing, I think we have a couple more seconds. You know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, when I was new in the industry, my father, when all these advisors were selling these variable annuities and they they were touting, you know, 12 to 14% returns, doing these hypothetical illustrations, which are trash because they're back-looking. I want to know the future. I don't want to know the past. I can tell you what I should have bought two years ago. So, but my father was selling 10-year MIGAs, multi-year guaranteed annuities, and they were paying 6 to 7%. Mind you, this was 99, 2000, 2001. All the real annuity people were freaking out. Tech bubble burst, and Janice Midcap sudden had a reversal. And my father's client's, you know, CDs were paying really well. So these advisors were like, that's just crazy. You know, we're making them big money in these variable annuities. You're making them 6 to 7%. And then these people, these people, part of a laddering process, we never put all their money in one product. So these people with their 6%, fast forward the 10 years, they had a great run. You know, we, we all know what happened the last 15 years. We went to interest rates at, at zero. We worried about negative interest rates a little while back. And the clients were sitting pretty at 6%. Those days are back. I need to tell you right now, we have 10-year fixed migas that are paying over 6%. We should have a line at our door. I just wonder what people are waiting for. Because you know what it is? When there's no race to be found, they want 6% for anything. Now that the rates are really good, they're like, well, maybe they're going to go up to 8 So now people aren't buying. It's so funny. The psychology of financial services is so funny. But with that, we better get to break time. So make sure you reach out to us at team at AnotherMoneyShow.com, or give us a call, 623-523-0444, and we'll be right back with Doug. Thanks so much for being here.
1: This is Another Money Show, except this one's different. This one's actually fun. Rochford & Associates, we know the road to financial freedom is not a straight path and the journey is different for every family. And in times like these, we want you to feel confident that you're safely on track to meet your retirement goals.
3: We want to ask you to prepare for economic chaos. We want you to prepare for bank volatility. We want you to ensure and protect your assets with a smart plan.
1: Our team can help you make the most of your hard earned savings using strategies that are right for you.
3: I want more people to sit down with us. When we talk about a financial plan, it's different for every person we meet. We tailor make our plans.
1: Schedule your no obligation consultation today by calling 623-523-0444. That's 623-523-0444. Rochford and Associates, veteran owned and proud to serve Americans like
0: you. With soaring inflation continuing to wreak havoc on everyday budgets, there's never been a more important time to cut costs. But do you know where to begin? I'm Matt McClure with the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by Amerilife. There's no question, costs have been soaring.
1: About one third, 34 percent, say they are worse off financially this year than a year ago. Almost half, 46 percent, say they've had to cut household spending due to inflation.
0: CNBC correspondent Sharon Epperson recently reported on a survey that sheds more light on how inflation has been impacting us all, even those who earn six figures a year.
1: These high earners say the first expenses to go are dining out at restaurants, entertainment outside the home, and travel and vacations. More than half also say they'll delay big household purchases.
0: That high inflation has led the Federal Reserve to respond with interest rate hikes. The goal is to increase costs to tamp down demand. Esther George is president of the Kansas City Fed.
2: Already we've
1: seen the committee's policy actions lead to a very sharp tightening of financial conditions.
0: But it hasn't done enough yet, and costs still keep rising. So what should you do? Well, we have a free resource called 23 Retirement Cost Cutters for 2023. It's full of ideas to help you make the most of every penny. Things like take advantage of senior discounts, eliminate unnecessary subscriptions, and cut back on clothing expenses.
1: Look at your needs and wants, figure out what's optional and what you can cut out.
0: The last one on the list of 23 Retirement Cost Cutters for 2023 is perhaps the most important. Seek advice from a trusted financial professional. That's the best way to get in-depth financial advice and retirement planning that's customized to you and your goals. Just make sure whoever you consult for financial advice has years of experience and credibility you can verify. So, do you know the best way to cut costs in 2023? That's a key question to consider as our budgets get stretched to the max. With the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife, I'm Matt McClure.
1: You're listening to another money show.
3: Welcome back to another money show. Thank you so much for being with us. As always, we greatly appreciate you taking time out of your weekend. Or, as the kids do, listening to us on podcasts. I have been talking a lot lately about the YouTube channel. I am having more fun watching our own videos, forwarding our videos to people. Doug has added these shorts, So, and I have noticed... That George Carlin is by far the leader with over fifteen hundred views. You know, we're we're our video, Anthony, or our short is getting a little bit of traction.
2: We're here to talk about this, uh, the union talks and the strikes in Hollywood, right? Yeah, you're kind of our our insider in that. I've been involved since last September, so I,
4: I've always like dug what you guys are doing in terms of really kind of talking about these things that the media is not talking about. Into what I think are things that are uh, being purposely not talked about. And, and I, I see the distraction of it all. If you know, you, know, you mentioned George Carlin. He, he saw the distraction of all. He said it was just a circus and you're watching, but they want to keep us fighting with each other. Well, it's because there's little things that are happening that you guys are reading about and exposing that really are those things. Like, they don't get it because they're they're screwing us. I mean, from that time when Carlin and that piece that, that you, we put up on your guys' YouTube channel, I mean, he was predicting the future, uh, vanishing pensions, uh, you know, the 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 overworking and underpay. I mean, it's all happening. Do you
3: know what show you're on, Doug? You can say whatever you want. People expect yeah.
4: it. <laughs> At least you can put it up that way for sure. I've been sharing articles with you guys and you guys share them with me. And it's been kind of fun because I do have other groups of people that, you know, we kind of have similar interests. And in. so I think over a month ago, I sent you guys an article about the writer's strike. Uh, which had been happening since May, and I think we were like 40 days into it. No one's really talking about it. I am not an actor or a writer. So let me put that out there first. I'm a producer, or I was a producer. Now I uh, now I produce radio and I do YouTube, whatever my job, <laughs> digital marketing for for these great clients and financial advisors out there. But The majority of my career has been working in television production as a contract work. Even when I, you know, when I entered the business, I was at UCF and I worked, you know, on various PA jobs. You took whatever you can get, you're making 400 bucks a week and 500 bucks a week and all that kind of stuff. Moved to New York, and that's where I got a job on the Montel Williams show. That was a PA job that actually turned into an associate producer. And we can go into more. I'm, I don't want, that's why I didn't want to go into me because I don't want it
2: to be about me. Instead of history, that's kind of what we want to show is that you have lived in this life. So you've right. got firsthand experience. Right. So tell us about what, you know, I know you're not in necessarily in this life now, but those that are, what are they experiencing? What's going on with this?
4: So, you know, bottom line is through my career and I eventually had to go to LA if I wanted. You are working as a contractor. Or you are working. When I started at Montel, I got insurance. My dad said, you don't take a job without insurance benefits. It was a different time. Don't you even dare thinking about taking a job. So they had that. And a couple of the shows I worked after, I had a show called Dr. Keith Abloh's Show. And he was this big show they did in Rockefeller Center. We were on 30, we were down Alt, Alton, Brian Williams. And Saturday Night Live was a couple plate. you know, above it was this big thing. It turned out to be this, I'm working 80 hours a week. There's no overtime. At least I had benefits. This goes on through my career. Okay, and I managed to work my way up and make more. However, that that's the average person that works in television, that works in film. you think Jennifer Lawrence and Meryl Streep is Hollywood. They're not. This this demonized word of Hollywood representing tens of thousands of workers in an industry being demonized to the term Hollywood as if I know Meryl Streep or as if I know Stephen you know the this evil entity. There are people like me. There are a ton of PAs. I mean, five hundred and seventy-five dollars living in New York City as a PA. For you know, when I moved out to LA, I knew there was more opportunity out there. I hated daytime television. It was all doom and gloom. I wanted to do better than that. The <laughs> show part of the media. I don't want to add to the the disease. I want to add to the cure. So I went out there because my dad. I referenced my dad a lot. He's no longer with us, but he was a big influence. For me and was very supportive of me because he knew I liked, liked this kind of stuff when I moved out when I was like 31 after really considering getting out of the business after some really rough years. I was unemployed for a while in New York, so I wanted to be, you know, a comedian. And I, you know, I lived in New York during that time and lost all my savings, but at least I had a great year during, uh, you know, Occupy Wall Street. Going back to this situation, I worked unscripted. So I've never been in a union. They tried to unionize reality producers. The WGA striked in two thousand eight, coincidentally, and got nothing <laughs> for it. So that was the last talks of, of organizing a union for reality and docu series. And basically, it's called unscripted TV talk shows, court shows, docu yeah. series. Yeah.
3: I um, have a question, Doug. While you're there, I want to interject because I don't want to think about it later. And Tim, when we cut
4: this up, too. I want you, I want, you know, Jim, like if you could make sure they're they're popping in more because this isn't all about me, does that make sense? Is there a way to do that? <laughs> like, I'm sorry I'm cutting production right now, but I feel like I've been talking for the last 10 minutes and I want to talk more of a conversation. Maybe I should get to the point earlier.
3: Let, let's yeah. roll. And Jim yeah. will do his magic. I'm, I'm, uh, so I'm, I'm not in
4: this. My wife is. And... Right now, when I emailed you guys, it was in June, but since May 3rd, the writers have been on strike. I was talking about it, I was following it, until this last week, when the Screen Actors Guild went on strike. That was July 13th, a week ago. So, when they went on strike, people start paying attention, but no one really cares, because you're Hollywood. And these screen actors, they make so much money, they do not. Most of them make scale. Most of them, sure, they make fifteen hundred dollars a day for scale. But if you only work 10 days, that's six months, which some of them are
2: eating tables. It's a tough life. If you're not Meryl Streep, it's a it's a really tough life for actors. But I think it's just kind of showing unity, right, that they're striking together. No, 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 that's all. I, I want to hear from you, but I want to hear why you think it's important because I have my own ideas on why I think it's important and I don't think they really align with yours. Got it. Okay, so do you feel it's the writers or the actors or both that should not be striking? Well, neither. I think. I, okay. I think my opinion is that this industry isn't special necessarily. I think every industry is being undercut. I think you've get the Jeff Bezos and the Elon Musks of the world, but they weren't the essential workers during 2020. It was people on the bottom lines. Those were essential. people that actually do the work. So you have executives making all the money, you have people, you know, significantly more people not making money, doing all of the work and not being paid for it while profits are skyrocketing but they're constantly laying people off. So, I think in terms of being upset and striking I agree with it. I think it's fine. I think it should be pretty much every industry right now. However, I think uh, you know some of the what I'm seeing on this is that part of the strike is they're trying to prevent AI from taking over. And I get AI is not good enough yet to take over everything, but I don't think this is 30, 40 years out before it's good enough to replace a writer. It's years, you know, a few years out. This stuff you know, comp compounds very quickly. So, and I'm not opposed to individuals using AI to help, but what's to stop producers from just getting rid of a writing staff, having an AI write, and then having a person to punch it up? So instead of having 10 writers, you have right. one.
4: Part of, of what it is, I mean, the writers are asking, hey, we need six writers in this writer room because now there's one. There should be one writer per episode with one writer's assist. These are things these guys have been used to for their whole career. So we always talk about income. So another, say say you're working in an industry and you're used to making $100,000 a year, used to making this and having this. And then all of a sudden someone said, okay, we're cutting that salary. You're making 48. How are you going to supplement? So when before they used to get residuals because they got a certain amount, if this movie made a certain amount at the box office, then they got this percentage. The base pay isn't really that much. The ones that really succeed are the people that write hits. This <laughs> is a really successful movie. Also, now the the actors were mad at the writers. They said, "You're striking again," and the writers said, "Yeah, we are because we're getting completely screwed here because <laughs> these streaming services that are now replacing the theaters are now not offering residuals." And it doesn't matter how many times someone downloads something on Netflix or use it. If you accounted that to movie dollars and different people buying a ticket for a movie, these writers would be making what they were making before. Yeah. But studios are not... Netflix Studios is one of the biggest studios in the world. You don't understand that. Yeah. They were one of the first streamers. They did all that and they realized an industry that was completely moving away from the theaters. They're going to jump on it for whatever it is. Did you know that Netflix, Orange is the New Black, those actors even after the first season and even during filming the first season they they were waiting tables and they cuz they made scales Does that mean go back nothing that movie scale is like it depends on how if you're a guest star it's a minimum of what you can make a day so if okay. you're a guest star on
2: something you have to make 1300 for that dude work that's fine but you're just saying it was kind of a base minimum it's not like they were getting paid for the success of the show
4: Something becomes successful and they sell it to USA Network and you're an actor on Modern Family. You didn't make anything when Modern Family was on ABC. You made scale. But it was in your contract that if they sell this to syndication, you're going to make X, Y, and Z amount of money. Now, everyone's not making friends money. I'm talking about shows that you see that made it. Modern Family, that was a hit. And it's a hit in syndication. The Office, those guys are making tons. That doesn't exist anymore. And the streamers aren't paying. So what they're looking to do is not, I need more money. It's like, let's. the world is changing so quickly, we need to stop. This is what happened in 1980, the last time the SAG and the WGA decided to unionize it was because VCRs were starting. And all of a sudden, all these VCRs are making, all these companies are making money off of videotapes, and the actors and directors and the writers, writers and the actors were not seeing that much. So they scrub, strike, and they won because... People are consuming this. You watch entertainment every night, every day. These people are not, as I'm saying again, they're not multimillionaires that are like, they're not the NFL. They're not making this. And then residuals, as you know, people in the insurance sales industry, they make residuals. What if you took that away from them? What if you said, oh, you know what? That book that you're still doing that you
3: had, you don't get it. Sorry. You do realize, Doug, that's the way of the world. I mean, there I've been saying forever, there's nothing left. But the haves versus the have-nots, my fear, and, and and depending on how much time we have, I want to talk about whether unions are good, unions are bad, whether or not, you know, these are essential workers, which obviously you say they are. A lot of people are like these rich people. They don't understand scale. They don't understand the writers versus Meryl Streep and Tom Cruise. The way of the world is getting rid of people. So this strike, I mean, I guess it's good that the Screen Actors Guild joined the writers because... I don't know that it's going to work. If you have a select few people that are making all this money and they don't have to give the residuals, why would they? I mean, I've been concerned that at your local Walmart and Lowe's and Home Depot and McDonald's and Wendy's, they're putting in kiosks. Those are taking away jobs. But for the employer, those are kiosks that don't need workers comp. They don't need vacation time. They don't have to take a bathroom break. So you're talking about these writers and the people that keep all this stuff together basically they're going away and even if this strike is successful by the way wasn't there a strike in 2007 or 2008 and and that's what really kind of launched reality tv so we know how that went
2: I'll, i'm looking totally to get more now too just so you know and this is an... of course when americans course. consume it people in general consume it so well,
4: they don't they're not unionized so they can continue to take advantage of those workers they can't take advantage of these unions because and that's another thing for me. And I want you guys to kind of this, like JR nailed it on the head. This is a microcosm of things. Because if you think AI is not going to replace in jobs, Anthony, you've mentioned essential workers, the people that were at the supermarkets every day on COVID, the, the real, they were heroes. You're, you're 100% right. They're getting replaced by these self help things. So those people aren't getting respect and they, they're making, you know, 20 bucks an
3: hour. How does it end? How do you want it to end, Doug? Do you want it to go back to our was where everybody's important? because I don't know that it will. I a lot of what I talk about, I'm not an optimist. I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. And, and I'll tell you what, I certainly come off as a pessimist. So many things are so wrong. This is just another one of them. I mean, I, I, I don't want people not to make a living. I don't care what industry in there. We're all important. But you've got a select few in this country and in this world that, that can, can make things happen. The golden rule Whoever has the gold makes the rules. This is going to affect us. We are going to get more reality TV. And then somebody like me is going to say, it's just going to dumb us down further. It's just going to make things worse in this country. Uh, So, I, I mean, Doug, you personally, what do you want to see happen? And do you think there's a chance of it happening? All
4: right, this is going to go back. And I don't know the answers. I don't at all. And I'm glad I mentioned Montel Williams before, because as hard as that show was and difficult as it was I was so hooked on the fact that my message is getting out. My message was getting out to me. Now, Montel stayed on the air for 26 years. I don't have the exact number. I was already gone, but I was there for the last three of the last five seasons. And on his last episode, which was a big deal, he said, when I started my first, I said, I don't want to be a show that talks about the problems. I want to be a show that accepts that the problems exist and talk about answers. And when you look back on the stuff that I was putting out there, 2005 and there was no social media there was no real cable or streamers these are people sitting at home that never would have heard these issues you don't realize that 90s talk shows were like the reality show of 2007 this is yeah that was before i was there but they introduced our country to a lot of different opinions and they used to boom and then when they noticed they fight all the time that's when they take advantage and say okay we're gonna this is gonna make us so much more money on ads people are watching people fight like on social media, and uh, they, they did that. Montel switched back after Oprah. They all were guilty of doing it until the Jenny Jones murder. Look that up. Very interesting case. So these people, the ads there, there, there was seven, eight million people watching a day. There's probably four people watching The Voice, or four million watching The Voice today because it's so scattered. So think about that impact. And he said it best. And he said, you know what? I stuck to it, and I don't have any answers to them. I can tell you in my show, I am going to say the problems and then we're going to focus on what we're going to do to change. So I love that you said that, JR. and I like, I like that about your guys' show and your attitude towards it because you're helping people. You're helping people that are going to lose half of their income figure out a way for them to get that income up because those people losing half their income, their their lifestyle is done. You know how expensive it is to live in L.A. They're moving back, home, especially young people. They're moving back home and they're entering different fields and... They're over and set and done. They can't do what I did, and that's sad that a whole industry could be taken out that way. Without a writer, you got nothing. Actors are expendable. Craft PAs are expendable. PAs, the makeup guy, all these people are expendable. The guy that came up with this thing that ended up being Shawshank
2: Redemption is um, is the writer. You know, is the, so well. I mean, that kind of goes back to the AI thing because I. I, I again i think that's the single most important part of this obviously can you, can you elaborate because you obviously know i'm
4: sorry we didn't get to it you obviously know about that thing that that's that they're trying to do with the background
2: actors with stealing their images and using it in perpetuity. yeah so they're gonna pay thing. somebody 200 bucks to have their image and then that's it no more what is it i mean what is it what happens
4: now so it's like background actors like i'll let you kind of lead that
2: well I, I don't know a ton of it i was just i was saying that they're The studios are trying to buy the rights to people's images to use that as extras, like CGI extras. Essentially, you cut out that industry. But my biggest concern is: well, you could do that with actors. Then you could do that with writers. You can do that with that. I think a portion. And you said this was, you know, like third down the list on this, you know, these negotiations. But they're trying to figure out how they're going to allow. Studios to handle AI because I don't mind, you know, individuals using it to help, but to be able to replace these individuals with AI, that's my concern. Because again, the, it's not just the industry, this can be applied to anything. So if you have these unions' discussions where they decide how they're going to use AI to implement and to help, but without replacing jobs, I think this could be a catalyst for how other industries use AI. And are we just going to see a massive amount of jobs? Lost? I mean, think of think of the U.S. in the 40s, 50s, 60s. I mean, manufacturing was huge here. And then people got replaced by robots. And then people got replaced by people in China. Robots in China. Right? So, uh, rules... shifted. You, have to, you know, you got to roll with the times and shift jobs. I don't think that's happening. This is going to be a continuation of that. Now we're going to lose even more jobs in America but how and well, what's to get the
4: detail of that story with the AI is terrifying this is why this is why the screen actors said because they fought with the writers and said don't do this until this happened they say that background actors who get they make like 200 bucks a day 150 a lot of them wait tables and are bartenders but they're aspiring actors going auditions and they get lucky they get in with a background company and every day they go to a random one and they sit in the back and they eat food and they do things in the background they don't say a thing and they make 200 bucks and they get lunch and that's their day Studios are trying to, on the first day they come in, have them sign away their rights and their images and allow that studio to use those images in perpetuity. So someone that was making $200 a day, $1,000 a week potentially, if they work five days a week, now they're they're asking them to, we're only going to give you $150. How much money is that studio making off of just that one thing? If you look at bottom
2: line, how much do you think they'll be saving, like uh, oh, doing that to, to people's lives. Billions. They would save billions because that's every single movie, that's every single TV show, and instead of having 5 to 10 to 20 background people at 200 bucks a day, you know, you buy their rights one time, and then you recycle those for forever. And they look real because they know that AI looks like crap. You put something in, it's
4: just like crazy space, and it's this because it's not there yet. But they have the technology to get it there, and they're not negotiating. They're not going. Let me read you this, since we're coming up on the end. I want to read you quotes and how the industry is responding. Let's start with this from Denver. This is quote: "The end game is to allow things to drag on until a union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses." Studio executive acknowledging the cold as ice approach. Several other sources reiterated the statement. One insider called it a cruel but necessary evil. The studios and streamers next think financially strapped writers would go to WGA leadership and demand they restart talks before they could. This could be a very cold Christmas for everyone. In that context, the studios and streamers feel they would be in a position to dictate most of the terms of a possible ideal, Deal, but they're not budging on certain issues. One being AI.
3: They're not budging because right they don't here. have... They're in control. I mean, everything we talk about on the show, and and you hit it, Doug. I mean, Montel Williams, I'm not just going to give problems. I'm going to give solutions. We say that all the time. We want to help you. Yeah. One person, one couple, one family at a time. The world is going the wrong way on so many fronts. How do we deal with it? We talk all the time about debt management, hard assets, you know, insurance Be company. For
4: when this happens, and don't rely on one company rely on yourself and multiple income streams that's yes. what i love about what you guys are saying because people need to enterprise these self these actors they could enterprise themselves on youtube they can't and they win
3: very very talented people they're art and they win talented. do they have a chance at continuing business as normal in hollywood or wherever they are or is this really are we really seeing the future right now for entertainment
4: we have to roll with the tides, like just like the times back in the row. We have to learn to roll. This is happening. And how do we roll? You enterprise yourself when it comes to that. When it comes to other people and other industries, we just have to realize that we have so much more control. You just look at the tools around you. You have your own show that you reach so many people on YouTube and on the radio, and that you guys get your message out there. You guys have any of these people who are producers and really they could go to youtube and make their own stuff and completely bypass it. that's what's brilliant about youtube is because they support they want to help you the more they help you the more they get you get profits it's almost like how you help your clients right the more you help
3: them it's beneficial for everybody you know, are right? you it's really not- going to bring ken fisher to this are we really youtube, at ken ha-
2: YouTube has a ton of censorship issues too But I get what you're saying. Like, I'm a big stand-up comedy fan. And a ton of my favorite stand-ups are going straight to YouTube. Because they're not making a ton of money on their Netflix specials or Prime. You know, unless you're the Gaff again, the Jim Jefferies, the Bert Kreischers. You know these big names already. But you get, like, Mark Norman, Sam Morrell. These guys are just releasing it straight to YouTube. Because they're making their money on tour. So they're using this... Free vehicle just to get in front of people's faces so that they come out and then they buy tickets and they buy merch. And I think that's genius. But again, YouTube has its own set of issues too, right? There's no, there's no quite Your e- line of one for anything social media based. Well, just like you said about those comedians that are now
4: taking advantage of podcasting, Theo Vaughn's one of my favorites. Oh, Yeah, and he's selling out wherever he goes because they're making their money off of that. It's not like he's making his money just off you. People think you go on TikTok and I'm going to get all these thousand views and I'm going to make all this crazy money. First of all, TikTok will never, neither will Instagram. You're mm-hmm. wasting your time, at least YouTube. It's hard to get there and it takes a
3: really long time, but you can get to the mountain. You just got to work hard at And can I can get up there. Can you get another money show there? Can we monetize? How do we get in on this? How do we do our show,
4: guys? You don't worry, we're it's a it's. So many people give up because it's a very, it's, it's, but it's all exponential. And then Anthony knows that about podcasts. You talked about it a lot. It's always there forever. And it's only going to keep growing as time goes on. So you'll notice these really, if you looked into really successful YouTube channels, they've been around for a 10 years. They didn't just happen. They had someone that persistently put out content. That's another thing about YouTube is because they know you got to persistently put out content. If you just stop, they're going to stop pushing your content, and your show's dead. Pod, that's why podcasts are popular because you can do it. Your guys are perfect. We're you know, and you get with such awesome producers as Jim and, and and Sam and Matt and Ford, who is such a great marketer. And not only is are you getting your business out there, and you're 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 connecting with people on a very important message, you're helping people. Um, it's very genuine, and that's what you need nowadays because. People want a happy life. I don't want my daughter growing up in this disgusting civil war of humanity that's taking place. I don't want that. So what's the result? Do I keep fighting with that guy that doesn't think like me because he's never going to think like me? Or if I try to find a mutual ground, the banks that you can find against the people who I love to, to criticize and I didn't care who was in office if they wore a blue hat or a red hat. I used to love to just rail. I was so mad after 2008. My They derailed my life. So many of my friends lost their houses in Florida. These were investments that they thought they were going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars on. And they lost their shirts. That's not fair. They were 28 years old. I was 28 years old. And all these people that worked so hard to get these mortgages, they lost it. And no one was held accountable. I have no sympathy for these corporations. I, and you're right, we're not going to win. They're always going to win, but at least we're going to go down with a fight and at least we're going to help the little guy and be a
3: voice. Everything is scary. Unfortunately, we have run the clock down. Thank you so much for taking time with us, Thank Doug. I and mean, you, you. My pleasure. It me. was fun. Thanks for being here. And we will continue this and we'll put some on YouTube with just us chatting. So reach out to us as always. We're at team at another money show.com. Give us a call, 623-523-0444, and support Doug. Go on YouTube and look up another money show. Like, subscribe, and help us grow. Share that, bad boy. Once we monetize, once we're making money hand over fist, we're going to go outside of our office and just start throwing it up in the air. So we are going to give back to the community once we're doing well. (laughs) Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Today was fun. Something outside of the box and different. So we're glad you're with us.
1: Thanks for listening to Another Money Show. You deserve to work with a private wealth management firm that will strategically work to protect your hard-earned assets. To schedule your free, no-obligation consultation, visit anothermoneyshow.com.